Hi there, we really hope you enjoy this teaching from the message. To find out more about all the exciting things we're doing and how you can get involved, check out our website, message.org.uk. Yes, everybody, good morning. Welcome back to Message Mornings. Uh, it is Thursday, the sun is shining outside, which is a rare occasion in Manchester. So I'm feeling kind of happy. Uh, this is the first time, right, that I've been able to speak and there's actually people in the room other than Chris. So it's, it's, quite, it's quite the experience. Uh, but I hope, I hope you guys are doing good wherever you are. And I hope that today, as we kind of dig into God's word, that you would feel refreshed and that you would feel challenged and that you would feel encouraged because that's what God's word does for us. So yeah, I'm super excited that you guys are able to spend this time with us today. We're going to be continuing um, in this series called Rooted in Righteousness, where we're looking at Psalm 1 and closely looking at what it, what it says about life. Psalm 1 tells us that there are two ways in which we can go in life, the way of the wicked and the way of the righteous. And so far, we've looked at how a righteous person lives. And verse one and verse two shows us how we live this path of righteousness. And then verse three, which we looked at a couple of weeks back, tells us the consequence of what happens when we choose to live a righteous life, where we choose to follow this path of righteousness where we are rooted in God. Verse three shows us the consequence of it. And today we are looking at verse four, which is showing us the consequence of what happens when we don't do that. And it's very important for us that when we see a passage of scripture like this, that we go back to the context and really refresh ourselves. Um, and then a, we're able to actually talk about what we are uh, seeing in that passage of scripture that can be so challenging and difficult to understand. So why don't we read Psalm 1 together again today? Psalm 1 says this, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season. And its leaf does not wither, and in all that he does, he prospers." The wicked are not so, but are like the chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. So this is what we were looking at a couple of weeks back, verse 3. It shows us the consequence of this person who chooses to live a life where they are um, rooted in God's word and rooted in God's instruction, where they find delight in it. Uh, this person in verse 3 is likened to a life-giving tree that has all that it needs to survive. Notice that it says that it's planted by streams of water. This tree has everything that it needs to survive and not only survive, but thrive and be a blessing to others. We see this because it tells us that this tree bears fruit. We see that this tree is firmly planted by God in the right place and can weather the most difficult of conditions. We see this because it tells us that this tree, uh, its leaf does not wither 
it's evergreen. It stands firm in the wind as a symbol of eternal life. That is beautiful and so important for us to go back to because in verse four, what we see is a contrasting image of this. We see something that contrasts this beautiful picture of righteousness. Verse four tells us that the condition of the wicked is not like the condition of the righteous. Actually, the wicked are likened to lifeless chaff. Now, a few of you very, uh, verified and very much appreciated my key stage one uh, and two science about evergreen trees. So I thought I'd be back with some facts for you guys today about chaff. I did not know what chaff was until I read this passage. And chaff is basically the outer layer um, of a seed of grain, like wheat, right? It's like the husk around it. And it's separated um, so that the grain can be good for food. You don't want the chaff, you just want the grain, right? And this process of separation is called winnowing. See, what they would do is because the chaff is so intertwined and attached to the grain, they would take it out to a windy place. They'd throw it up in the air. And what would happen is this gust of wind would come and drive the chaff away. And what would remain is this good, healthy seed. It would fall because it's got weight to it. But the chaff would be blown away. It has no value. It has no, it's worthless. It's rootless and it carries no weight See, unlike this tree that we see in verse 3, which can stand the, 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 the worst of weather conditions, chaff cannot. See, chaff is driven in all kinds of direction. One minute it's there, and the next it's gone with the wind. And when I was reading this, I, I, I just began to think that this is just such a picture of what life looks like without Christ. This is a picture of what happens when we root ourselves in the worthless and rootless things of this world. The things that we do, the lives that we live become fleeting, especially in light of eternity. You know, for us as Christians, it's so easy to read a passage like this in the Bible and think, oh, well, this is not talking about me. I'm not wicked. I'm not wicked. I do good works. I've, I've prayed the salvation prayer 50 million times and that was just last week. This can't be talking about me. But when we think like this, we've missed the point completely. See, sadly, the truth is as humanity, the moment that we decided to turn our backs on God, we became wicked by nature. Remember the definition of wickedness that I gave uh, in that first session that we looked at this psalm, the wicked are those who are guilty of actively, passively, and unintentionally living a life that is hostile to or against God. This is what we became. Our lives become a picture of that chaff that is driven by the wind. I mean, Genesis 3.19 is a brutal picture of the consequence of the choice that we made to turn our backs on God. When Adam and Eve sin, God says to them, from dust you came and to dust you will return. Imagine a lump of dust in the wind. It's there one second, the next it is gone. This is a picture of death and decay, which contrasts the very plan and purpose that God had for humanity, that God has for us. See, God made us to be like that tree that we see in verse 3, full of life, reproducing life. This is a picture of what God actually had for us. 
But this tree, if it were to move away from that spring of living water, it would not last very long. In fact, the psalmist is so intentional in giving us that picture because what they would do back then for a tree to actually survive and grow, they planted it by artificial like springs of water so that it could grow, right? It had to stay there to actually grow. But if we were to move away from that, inevitably it would turn to nothingness. And in the same way as humanity, when we reject our source of life, God, his plan, his instruction, we are left with the inevitable consequence of death and decay. Without him, we are like chaff. We are nothing. But see, God did not want that for us. God did not create us for death, but for life. We know this. In his mercy and compassion and love, Jesus steps in. Jesus steps in and he saves us by taking death on our behalf. He takes our wickedness to the grave and comes back to life, leaving it behind. A beautiful exchange happens in that moment. See, for our wickedness, he offers us his righteousness. For our death, he offers us his life, his eternal life when we put our hope and our trust in him. We now get to choose a life where we follow him on a path of righteousness, which leads to eternal life. What a beautiful, beautiful thing that Jesus has done for us. This is good news for the wicked. This is good news for us. When we read a passage like this, we should be overwhelmed with gratitude. We should turn into a posture of worship, remembering what Christ has saved us from. See, here's the thing when we read passages like this. There is no us and them, but put very well by Ben Jack, it's about God in us. It's, it's, it's the very fact that God is in us. It's nothing to do with us. That is the only thing that has saved us from wickedness is the fact that God is in us. That is the only thing that saves us from wickedness and its devastating consequences. Christ has saved us from being like chaff. There are three things that chaff can represent and, and three things of many that God has actually saved us from, that Jesus has saved us from. The first one is a life with no meaning. You know, chaff grows up alongside the wheat and then it disappears in the air in that process of winnowing. It, for me, a lot of the time when we go into schools, it, it's a sad and heartbreaking moment in one of our lessons when we ask our young people, what is the meaning and the purpose of life? You know, it's great to work with young people because they are hilarious. So some of the answers that they give you are just simply to try and make you uncomfortable. Youth leaders, youth workers, you know exactly what I'm talking about. They're very, very fun to work with young people. But some of the answers that they give are concerning and so heartbreaking. Some of them will respond to us and say, well, the meaning and purpose of life is to live the best that you can and die. That's it, right? For them, that's the idea of life. They live, they grow, and they die. It's heartbreaking because in that moment, what I see is them presenting this mindset of chaff, which is not what they were created for. And it's heartbreaking because I was once there once upon a time like chaff. I once found myself tossed around in this whirlwind of confusion. What is the meaning and the purpose of life? What is it? Why am I here? but I couldn't find it anywhere. I could not find it in the counsel and the advice that this world had to offer me. It wasn't in my relationships. It wasn't in money. It wasn't in fame. All that stuff is hollow without Christ at the center. 
It was only when I came to relationship with Jesus that I found meaning and purpose for life, that I laid down this chaff mindset and I realized who had created me and what he had created me for. In Jesus Christ, when we root ourselves in him, he reveals the plan and the meaning and purpose of life that he has for us. I love that Andy uh, reminded us of Ephesians 2 verse 10, which says, for we are God's masterpiece. He's created us in you, in Christ Jesus, so we can do good things he planned for us. Some translations say in advance, some translations say long ago, there is this set thing that God has planned for us, good things. Get a load of that for meaning and purpose. We don't live like chaff, but like the masterpiece that we've been made in Christ Jesus. Full of meaning, full of purpose. Our works don't die with us in this world, but they carry through into eternity. How amazing is that? Jesus has saved us from a life of meaningless, a life like chaff. The second thing that chaff can represent is a life with no hope. You know, I recently watched uh, The Hunger Games for the first time, and I'm very surprised. I actually very much enjoyed it. I'm usually not into that kind of thing, but I loved it. FYI, hate President Snow. FYI, not going to spoil everything like Ben Jack does on this stage, but I'm not going to do that for you guys today. Don't worry, don't worry. I'm not going to do any spoilers today. But basically, President Snow says this. He says, hope is the only thing stronger than fear. A little hope is effective, but a lot of hope is dangerous. Now, let me say this, guys. Something that I believe is dangerous to the enemy is our hope in Jesus. See, when he is our anchor, no matter what the enemy throws at us, whether it be temptation or or lies or troubles, whatever it may be, we will not be shaken because Jesus, our living instruction, is our hope. His promise of eternal life is our hope. The truth that he will never leave us is our hope. Hebrews 6, 19 says, we have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. Our hope in Jesus is firm and secure. This is significant because chaff is not firm and secure. It's rootless. Once we were like that at the mercy of the wind, tossed back and forth with no sense of safety and stability, the very thing that I have found that my hope and my faith in Jesus provides for me, strength, safety, stability. Jesus saved us from a life with no hope. We are no longer left to be tossed around in the elements and the troubles of this world. Think of that tree that stands firm in all the weather conditions. That is what Jesus enables us to do. When we are rooted and planted and deeply, deeply, deeply devoted in him, our hope in him is our anchor in this life. The third and the final thing that I wanted to draw out from this is that Jesus has saved us from a life with no peace. When I visualize this picture of chaff being blown back and forth, tossed around at the mercy of the elements around it, it makes me think of just chaos and restlessness. And we see a lot of this in the world around us. We see it everywhere that we look. There is just so much chaos and restlessness. We, we experience this on a personal level. We can experience this on a wider level. 
And you know, my friends, uh, Brightline, when they go into schools, uh, Daniel's actually sat right here in the room today, but I love that when Brightline go into schools and they, and they preach the gospel, they, they tell the young people, listen, following Jesus doesn't mean that you're not going to have troubles in life. It does not mean that. But actually what it means is that the creator of the universe, the one who has a say over the elements, the one who has a say over the raging storms of life is with you in the ups and downs. And he can give you peace. He can give you peace. Actually, Jesus tells us in John 16, 33, he says, in this world you will face trouble, but take heart, for I have overcome the world. When we read truth like this, we find peace, real peace. Jesus, our Prince of Peace, offers us rest in the troubles of this world. I have experienced this in my own life. I have seen this firsthand in my life, the things that had me tossing around left, right, center with no rest in the world. When I bring them at the feet of Jesus, there is peace that I can take from him. He is with me in the middle of that stuff. He does not leave me to the elements to be tossed around. Actually, he is right there with me, providing shelter and peace through it all, through into eternal peace. We know that it won't be like this forever. We know that one day he will come back. He will wipe away every tear and restore this world to the way that it was always meant to be. Us in communion with him in peace, flourishing, bearing fruit in peace with our Lord Jesus Christ who created us. How incredible is that truth? Jesus has saved us from a life with no peace. You know, when we reflect on this, when we read this passage, it should remind us of the very thing that Jesus has done for us. Jesus has saved us from a life with no meaning. Jesus has saved us from a life with no hope. He has saved us from a life with no peace. What should happen when we come across a passage like this in the Bible is we shouldn't ignore it thinking it does not concern us. This passage can serve as a warning for the consequence of a life rooted outside of God, but also can serve as a challenge for us to remain rooted in God, in humility, knowing that it is only through him that we have been saved. In humility, knowing that the only thing that sets us apart from the consequences of wickedness is the fact that God is in us. He is the one who saved us. It's because of his righteousness that we can even pursue righteousness. Ultimately, when reading this verse, we should be moved into worship, into a posture of gratitude for what Jesus has done for us. Because of our choice to reject God, we were destined for a life of nothingness. A life like chaff. There, one second, gone with the wind, the next. But Jesus saved us from this. In him, we are rooted for a life full of meaning hope, peace, and so much more. In him, we are made righteous, not by what we have done, but by what he has done for us. 
We cannot read things like this and think in any way we are superior. We cannot think it's us and them. No, it's Christ who enables us to be righteous. Reflect on that for a moment. Where does that lead you? What does that do for you? For me, it challenges me. It challenges me to think, actually, when I carry the, the hope and the truth of the, of the gospel to the world around me, how do I take it? Do I actually take it from this posture of it's us and them? Do I take it from this posture of thinking like my righteousness is what saved me? Because that's not the way that we should go. We should go knowing that we have been in the same position. We were once enemies of God and it's only through his grace and his mercy that we've been saved. We should be able to go out in compassion and in love. That's how we should seek to show others God's design for their lives in compassion knowing we were once living outside of God's will and plan for our lives, knowing that we've been set free from condemnation and now we can actively pursue a life of righteousness rooted in him. How can we keep this hope to ourselves when our brothers and sisters all over the world are being tossed around in the elements of confusion, of no meaning, of no hope, of no peace? How can we actually keep this to ourselves? How can we do that? You know, coming up next weekend is, is, is Easter, and we love Easter. It is, it is one of the greatest things that we celebrate, this, this event that is so foundational, that is so important to our faith. This event where Jesus died and he rose again and changed everything forever. This is what we're going to be celebrating next week. And I challenge you that don't let this just be another Easter where you just go and, and you sing the stone has rolled away and, and you kind of get hyped up and then you go away from it having not, having not actually stopped and thought for yourself, what has Jesus done for me? He's done so much for you. This Easter, I challenge you to reflect on how Jesus has saved you. Where has he taken you from? What has he done for you? I challenge you to reflect. I challenge you to worship. I challenge you to be grateful. And out of that place, with compassion and with empathy, I encourage you to reach out to those around you who don't yet know him. Let's pray. Wow, Jesus, thank you so much for all that you've done for us. Thank you, Jesus, that you did not leave us in our, in our sin and in our wickedness, God, but that you've given us your righteousness, that you gave up your life so that we could have life. Thank you, Jesus, that, that we have been set free from this wicked, uh, wicked, wicked nature of us, God. But thank you that you've set us free from that and that you've made a way for us to pursue righteousness. Thank you that you've set us free from the devastating consequences of the wicked lifestyle, of wickedness, God. I thank you that you've set us free from that. And in you, we have an eternal hope for life, life to the full, life eternal. Jesus, I pray that as we um, reflect on this truth today, that you would move us to worship, God, that where we've forgotten this, God, where it's just become uh, something that, that, that is just there for us and, and isn't something that we actually really reflect on and see the beauty of it, God, I pray that you would forgive us. I pray, God, that we would worship you. Holy Spirit, today as we remember what you've done for us, would you move us to worship? Would you move us into gratitude? Would you convict us, uh, God, where we've, where, where we've kind of like removed ourselves from this world and, 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 and carried this nature of thinking that we are responsible for our salvation, God? 
We lay that down. That is a lie. It's only because of you, Jesus. And I pray that out of that place that we are able to go out into this world in humility, in compassion, to, to reach others for your kingdom, God, to reach others with this life-transforming truth of the hope that we have found in you, God. In your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. Amen, God. Guys, guys, thank you so much for joining us today. And just before we go, I just wanted to remind you of some of the stuff that is happening in Message Life this week. Tomorrow, we've got Higher Life. If you are a youth leader, if you are a parent, if you have any links to young people, I encourage you to invite them tomorrow night at 5 p.m. We're going live on YouTube. And we're going to be telling people this truth. We're going to be telling young people this truth, that there is a God who loves them, who has an incredible life full of meaning, full of hope, full of peace for them. So would you encourage them to join us? We have lots of fun and get up to all sorts and be sure to invite your young people to join us tomorrow night. Don't forget to check out message.org.uk to find out how you can support our work or even get involved with one of our teams. We also have another podcast called The Flow Podcast, where we share stories and testimonies of the amazing things that God's doing in people's lives. Search for The Flow Podcast on iTunes or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. <laughs>